0: I hope some of you uh, managed to do your Zen homework and get down to see Saint Misbehaving, the movie about wavy gravy. Uh, If you haven't, uh, it's still there this weekend down at IFC. And uh, it's an important reminder that um, this Dharma, in addition to being incomparably profound can also be profoundly ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) It's very instructive to uh, see an alternate model of liberation once in a while. Uh, The filmmaker apparently spent ten years following this character around and has I think she said maybe, you know, 90, 100 hours of unedited film that they, you know, edited down to an hour and a half movie. Um, But of the, you know, 90 hours that didn't make it into the movie, I seriously doubt whether there was a section on his uh, four-time-a-week analysis or his 10 years in the Japanese monastery. Uh, I think his... Liberation or enlightenment um, was of the old-fashioned, chemically-induced kind. <laughs> <laughs> and it is an uh, instructive reminder uh, of the: it is not only our particular narrow path that uh, leads to insight and compassion. Not to say that uh, the old hippie model didn't uh, produce lots of casualties and fallout. I'm not saying I don't. I'm recommending that uh, a return to that. Um, But when it worked, it worked. This character, Wavy Gravy, whose name was uh, Hugh Romney originally, uh, started out doing improv, you know, in, uh, with the beats in the, the village. And uh, got a gig in Los Angeles, uh, where he was an opening act for Thelonious Monk. Apparently, he had Lenny Bruce as his manager, (laughs) Um, and uh, this character uh, encountered uh, Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters, and uh, in that period. turned himself into a a a clown, a prankster, someone who modeled a different kind of liberation than uh, everyone was used to. Um, Liberation then was performative. Uh, It was, we will show you what it means to not live a straight, uptight, bourgeois life, what it means to have an ongoing party as a way of living. <laughs> it's curious, though, that I I, uh, I went back into my archives uh, where I found the original autobiography of Wavy Gravy, published in 1974 with an introduction by Ken Kesey. Uh, and it had lots of pictures and little biographies of uh, uh, them and all the pranksters and the original members of the hog farm. And it, it no, you know, uh, had a little note that uh, Hugh Romney at this time was helping support the um, hog farm by having a day job at Columbia Pictures where he was teaching improv to Harrison Ford but <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mrs. Gravy was a former playboy bunny who uh, had, did regular TV shows so it was very complicated interaction a lot of different things happening at once but in terms of practice, one of the things in the, I, I don't remember if this was exactly in the movie, but in the book, one of the things they did was um, have they, they, us um, they were some of the first people to sort of get a hold of little handheld cameras and film units and just film everything all the time, right? Just morning till night, they just kept the movie going. And... Uh, one form of practice was to turn everything into a show, right? So they would say, you know, now's the time for the laundry show. And now we're going to have the time for wash the bus show. And now we've got childcare show and cooking show. And everybody sort of had to figure out how to make a show, a performance, out of doing every little everyday task, Right. You know straight out of Dogen, right <laughs> <laughs> it 's ritualizing everyday life. This is Genjo Koa, right actualization of the of the ordinary right now you know you can do it in a monastery with a particular ritual uh, for everything, or you can stay stoned witless, so every activity just makes you giggle right. <laughs> But really making everything a show was part of this notion of life is continuous performance and practice, right? Uh, And it gets really interesting when you take the show to an anti-war demonstration and have to do a show with all the cops there. Uh, One of the reasons he ended up wearing clown costumes was he realized that the cops didn't want to have pictures in the newspapers of them clubbing Santa Claus. (laughs) So if you put on a silly costume, you're less likely to be beaten up. And that was the other part of this time, uh, was the tension between the... uh, the counterculture that was revolutionary and political and the counterculture that was uh, hippie and dropout, right? And they really tried in some way to be an interface of those things where uh, they brought lightheartedness to demonstrations that are otherwise getting uh, violent. And they... uh, you may remember, we were in charge of security at Woodstock. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there were people there trying to get in enough food for a crowd of 400,000 or whatever it was, and to run tents where people who were having bad trips could be taken care of. And so the, the hog farm in Romney were a lot of the people who were trying to bring order to that particular chaos. I did have a glancing um, acquaintance with all that uh, managing to go to Woodstock for one day uh, myself under very (coughs) controlled bourgeois circumstances (laughs) Um, I was trying to remember the details of this and how it could have happened but
1: um, (laughs) it was something like this it
0: was... um, I must have just been starting college, but my girlfriend was still in high school. And there was no way her parents were going to let her go away with me to Woodstock uh, for a weekend, you know, unchaperoned. So what we managed to do, I must have planned this far ahead, is we actually rented hotel rooms in the neighborhood, and we took my father with us in the back seat of the car to Woodstock and dropped him off at this hotel. And then we went, the, the two of us then went uh, to the festival uh, where my entire experience of it is of traffic jams and crowds. I don't remember any music whatsoever. <laughs> but we just saw a lot of people wandering around. And so we just spent the day in traffic, spent the day wandering around. We saw that there was a stage really far away, that we couldn't see anything. There was something coming over the loudspeakers that we didn't recognize or remember. So we wandered around and then we went back to our hotel with my father. (laughs) That was my Woodstock experience. (laughs) That was a uh, very poor excuse for a hippie. (laughs) but I digress. <laughs> it was very, uh, you know, it is something to see the footage of those old days. I think this being a relatively old Sangha, we, many of us have uh, memories of oh, those days uh, although the the cliche was if uh, you could remember it, you weren't there. (laughs) Um, But a lot of what um, we see also in um, Wavy Gravy's life was the transformation of something that was uh, just about uh, getting high and fooling around into a life of uh, service and a life that um, got directed uh, in a lot of very un- you know unpredictable ways. Uh, one line I particularly noticed was he said that at a certain point, lots of people in their communes started being interested in meditation, and they would have these meditation retreats of one kind or another, but there were lots of kids around, and um, they didn't know what to do with the kids, so Wavy Gravy said, you all go meditate, I'll take care of the kids. And so he sort of did his clown thing and entertained the kids while the the grown-ups did their practice. And uh, that seemed to evolve into more and more work with kids. And uh, he did, uh, for a long time, work, um, I believe, with autistic and brain damage kids in local hospitals. And then he started a camp where they sort of taught clowning and circus techniques to inner-city kids and all sorts of kids. Um, and then he got involved with uh, Ramdas, uh, probably through a chemical connection. But Ram Ramdas is, uh, you know... Original name being Richard Albert and you know, uh, buddy of Tim Leary. Uh, so they had lots of things in common to talk about. Uh, but they started a whole foundation where they traveled uh, to India and Nepal uh, bringing medical supplies. And one of the original hippies from the hog farm, you see one of these bearded, hairy, goofy looking guys. In this book from 74, named Larry Brilliant turned out to get an MD and traveled with them uh, to India and uh, uh, being able to do all sorts of medical work uh, there among the poor. Uh, and they got involved with Ramdas's Dass' uh, Seva Foundation, which was doing cataract surgery uh, for free out there. So the clown... Uh, kept morphing into something that um, looked more and more like uh, community service and less and less just uh, performative, getting high and uh, showing up the bourgeoisie. Um, As I say, I was just very touched by it as a different uh, picture of what a a liberated life can look like. It doesn't have to look uh, religious. It doesn't have to look like people in robes. It doesn't uh, have to look like our picture of engaged Buddhism. Um, sometimes, you know, engaged Buddhism gets a bad rap with this sense of, you know... Uh, there's all this poverty and oppression in the world, so don't enjoy yourself too much. You know, Make sure you, you know, eat, eat your peas because there's starving people and kids in Asia. Uh, but Wavy Gravy has a kind of sense of um, what you want to do in the face of oppression is uh, be happy. Spread joy. Um, you don't always help people by having a... Um, a worried, sour, serious uh, countenance, right? Sometimes what you need to do is uh, have a center of joy that you let radiate out into the world. Um, My other loose association to that was back to the uh, days of the war resistors in the First World War. Uh, where in England, uh, if you wanted to be a conscientious objector, you had to go in front of a board and answer their questions to their satisfaction or they'd put you in jail. Um, and uh, one artist uh, was brought to the board and uh, they said, uh, how can you uh, justify uh, being a conscientious objector while your fellow citizens are off fighting to save civilization. And he said, I, sir, and the civilization they're fighting to save. <laughs> 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 and uh, Lytton Strachey, uh, when he was brought in for- front of the draft board, he was a rather uh, swishy, effeminate homosexual. Uh, They asked him the standard question uh, and what would you do, sir, if you saw the Hun trying to rape your sister? (laughs) And he said, I would try to get between them. which I think is the pure spirit of Wavy Gravy. <laughs> I will end on that note. And since it's um, too crowded to see everybody in Dokusan, I won't see anybody. And, uh, maybe that'll discourage a few people, and then we'll get this group down to manageable size. <laughs>